There is no error with your audio outputs. Do not attempt to fix any sound issues. We are monitoring you with this device. We control your options and settings. We are transmitting through your internet connection, but our signal is actually entering your mind, sending electrical impulses into the very tissues of your brain. Try to stay calm. We've taken over your senses for the duration of this broadcast. You are helpless to resist. We have taken control for your own sake. There are things you must know. This is Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olav Phillips and Ron Patton. I'm Olav. He's and Ron. I'm Ron. And I'm Ron Patton. <laughs> and we make uh, Paranoia Magazine. Hey. So, um, normally, <clears throat> we, uh, we talk about historical conspiracy things, but uh, Ron and I got together and we wanted to kind of talk about this whole Orlando thing because there, there's a lot of things floating around in the conspiracy world, and uh, I guess we just thought it, it would be an interesting discussion to have. So, <clears throat> before... Before we get too far, you know, I obviously, on behalf of Paranoia, you know, I, I think it was horrendous and, and sick and disgusting, and I'm, it's, my heart broke when I heard about it, and it's just, it's just a terrible thing. It, you know, nobody should be shooting people, and it's just, it's just an awful, horrendous thing, and it, my heart goes out to the families of the people who died and the friends of the people who died. But that being said, there's there's some weirdness here. And <clears throat> I think that as researchers, we have a responsibility to discuss it and, and to make sense of certain things. Um, but it doesn't change the sorrow that I feel for it, that I, I just think it was a awful thing that happened. And I just I just really needed to say that. Right, yeah, and um, I guess it's one of the worst uh, shootings in modern history here. Um, Actually, it's the worst. Apparently. Right. For I my... guess they don't they don't count other things, but I guess it's the worst uh, shooting rampage in American history. the The next one after it was from 1922, uh, where a guy went in and blew up a school and and shot 40 people. Wow. Yeah, so but that was 1922. Right, right. So here we are in 2016, and uh, we're doing it again. Right, but I mean, the the reality is, you know, we live in very perilous times, and there's a lot of stuff that's going on. Whether it's somebody that was under mind control, or there's certain political agendas that are going on, it's not. It's not really surprising, and I really hate to say that, um, but I've been telling people for years, you know, you're going to see more things like this occurring because of ulterior agendas by whether it's our government or other governments that are out there. So, well, and and I think there's some real weird synchronicities um, mm -hmm. related to this. I mean, the obvious one that when I was thinking about it that came to me was that, that the 
the next worst uh, shooting rampage was in 1922. Mm-hmm. And I'm... You know, I'm kind of hit and miss with the whole numerology thing that, you know, I think there's something to it, like the number 23 and, you know, all that, that these numbers that they constantly appear and, and are constantly used, they have a significance. Mm-hmm. But, but from a numerology point of view, if you take uh, 94 years and you do 9 plus 4, it equals 13, which is very odd, that it, it just happened to coincide with that. Right, and I'm sure that there's going to be more um, sort of what they refer to as the twilight language or revelation of the method uh, type of things coming out, whether they be numerology or typography or, uh, you know, things of that nature. There always seems to be these very interesting synchronistic connections when you have these type of very, very traumatic events that occur throughout history. Well, what what really triggered me on it was that I was watching CNN, and I, I know I'm a conspiracy nut. I shouldn't be watching CNN. I should be watching something else. But you know, the truth is, is that CNN has a lot of reporters. They get the camera crews on the in the you know in the location right away, and and they're they're pushing to try to get some sort of you know newsworthiness out of it. Because their CNN's whole setup is is you know dramatic news, mm-hmm. so I was watching CNN and something kind of dawned on me that I was I was watching Wolf Blitzer. I met Wolf Blitzer once, by the way. Huh. Yeah, very odd conversation I had with him. But I here I'm watching Wolf Blitzer, and he's talking to Marco Rubio, the former presidential, um, the presidential candidate. Right. And Marco Rubio is doing his stock thing of, well, I've been telling people for years. Well, I guess he's been telling people for four years. I think he's been right. in office for about four years when he shows up. And and I guess um, he's been telling people for four years that this was going to happen, this was going to happen, this was going to happen. And what was bizarre to me is that on the bottom third of the screen, you know, they've obviously got the headline, you know, nut, nutcase shoots a bunch of people. But then it says, like, Marco Rubio, R, Republican, and, and then it's Senate Intelligence Committee. And I thought to myself for a minute, well, that's kind of odd. So you have the basically the worst mass shooting ever. It occurs in Orlando, Florida. So you've obviously got the whole Disney thing. In fact, a bunch of the people that were killed um, actually worked at Disney and, uh-huh. worked, and worked at Universal Studios. Right. But it's also it's also the home turf of Marco Rubio, and yeah, and and I I thought to myself, well, that's kind of odd because here's Marco Rubio. He's been talking about this for years, and then suddenly he gets it delivered in his lap, in his state. And so mm-hmm. I went I went back and I thought, well, what else is he on the the Senate committee of? And it's. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. He's on the Senate Committee of Commerce, Science, and Transportation. Mm-hmm. He's the chairman of the Subcommittee on Oceans, Atmosphere, Fisheries, and the Coast Guard. He's a member of the Subcommittee on Aviation Operations, Safety, and Security. He's a member of the Subcommittee on Communications, Technology, Innovation, and the Internet. He's a member of the Subcommittee on Space, Science, and Captivatedness. I'm not sure that it came up with that. <laughs> it's kind of odd. Uh, he's 
on the Senate Committee for Foreign Relations, Chairman on the Subcommittee of Western Hemisphere, Trans Transnational Crime, Civilian Security, Democracy, Human Rights, and Global Women's Issues. He's a member on the Subcommittee on Africa and Global Health Policy. He's on mm -hmm. the Subcommittee of East Asia, the Pacific, and International Cybersecurity Policy. He's on the Subcommittee for the Near East, South Asia, Central Asia, and Counterterrorism. Mm -hmm. He's on the Select Committee of Intelligence, and he's on the Senate Committee for Small Business and Entrepreneurship. Hmm. Now, <clears throat> when I look at that, he's on a subcommittee that pretty much covers the entire world. Right. He's on every subcommittee they have for intelligence, security, cybersecurity, anything that could be impacted by terrorism. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And and you know, and here he's the guy who's who's preaching this homegrown terrorist thing, and it happens in his state. And it happened, and we'll get into some of the more specifics about this, but it happened despite all the wireless, warrantless wiretapping, the airplanes that fly over your head that intercept your cell phone signals, the monitoring of the internet, the monitoring of Facebook, because you know there's actually a, there's an NQTEL, NQTEL is like a, it's like a venture funding arm of the CIA, so uh -huh. basically they're, they're like a venture bank where they, they fund startups and they take an investment in the startup and then when the startup IPOs or gets bought or whatever, they get a, they get a cut. They're kind of like, it's kind of like high risk investing. Well, mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the companies that NQTEL invested in a number of years ago actually draws corollary mapping. So for example, they'll crawl all the public pages of uh, Facebook and and pretty much anything else they can get their hands on. And then they'll create maps that show the interconnectedness between people and organizations. So for example, if they were to crawl the internet, which they do, they would know, because we have it on the paranoiamagazine.com website, mm -hmm. that Ron and I are connected. So it would, it would generate a map, maybe on the subject of paranoia, and it would show me, and then it would show a line to Ron, right. and it would show a line to Clyde Lewis, and it would show a line to Greg Bishop, and it would show a line to everybody else we know. Right. Well, they funded this. So they, they're, my, they're data mining in a huge way. Data mining meaning that they're going into these websites like Facebook or, you know, or, or uh, like... Uh, Oh, I don't know. Pretty much any, anywhere you post anything, right? They're going in there and they're creating mappings of. Well, is it, isn't that like an algorithm? Well, they have an algorithm as well. Okay. And that's you. You put the algorithm on top of raw data, so I, they go in and they retrieve all this data that we publish. Mm -hmm. Right. Every article I ever wrote, every article you ever wrote, every article that's ever been written, they store it, and then they apply algorithms to it to create maps of interconnectedness. Mm -hmm. So the CIA funded this, so you know that it's in use. I mean, right. it makes sense, right? They put money into it, they're gonna use it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so you have this mapping system and you have this warrantless wiretapping and you have you know, background checks when you buy assault rifles and you have, and Florida you know, has a lot less rules than say California or Oregon or wherever, but you still have to, 
you still have to register it. You know, they still know you bought it. They still do a background check. You know, they, they surveil us like crazy. And they can't find this guy. And here's Marco Rubio saying, hey, I've been telling you for years, homegrown terrorists are the next big problem. But they couldn't find this guy. Mm-hmm. And it gets worse that this guy apparently was picked up by the FBI three times, right? Three mm-hmm. times he was picked up. Right. And in, in one case, he he was linked to a guy named Monar Abbasla, who was the first American suicide bomber in Syria. And apparently this guy Omar Mateen had been communicating with, with Abbasla, and so the FBI picks him up, and they said, oh, well, no... No real communication occurred. Mm-hmm. In fact, they said, in the course of that investigation, this is from Zero Hedge, in the course of that investigation, Mateen was interviewed twice, but the FBI was unable to verify the substance of his comments that he had made about, you know, not liking various people. And they went on to say that, that they, that uh, the FBI says that, that he, Salat, didn't recruit anyone when he came back and went to Florida. But it is possible that he did have contact with Mateen, the guy who, who was the mass shooter. Hmm. So they picked the guy up three times. Right. They can't find anything, even though they have all this technology and all this police state, surveillance state stuff. They can't link it. Right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then he goes in and buys an AR-15, and nobody thinks that's odd. Right. Right, and and it gets it gets worse that, that he he had gotten married. I mean, it's 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 ter- you know just it's so tragic. He he had gotten married in like two thousand and nine. He got divorced in two thousand eleven. His ex wife said that he was abusive. In fact, one thing that I read said that he would come home, and if the laundry wasn't folded right, he'd beat her. Mm-hmm. So now you've got a guy. Who was picked up by the FBI three times because he had links to terrorists. He's a he is known to be an, an abuser. Right, misogynist. He's a misogynist. He hates he hates uh, gay people. You know, and he's been very vocal about it. He buys an assault rifle. Right. You know, and nobody nobody's thinking that this is odd. Right. Now I haven't even gotten into it yet. <laughs> Oh, my. Yeah, so I, I actually heard uh, this evening, too, that he was uh, frequenting the uh, Pulse nightclub. And, you know, maybe he was just kind of scoping it out. But on the other hand, maybe that was his thing. And there's been some speculation, too, that he may be like a, a closet or a repressed uh, gay man himself. And he just sort of went off the deep end. So, uh, uh Again, you know, when you listen to what the uh, media says, it's all speculative. And then they change their mind saying, well, that was an an unsubstantiated report. But again, um, I guess there have been several witnesses who said that they've seen him there at the nightclub before. And he also, I saw this evening on, uh, I believe it was on CNN, that he had a uh, gay dating app on his uh, cell phone. Now, now, it starts to get even weirder, mm-hmm. even beyond that. Right. So apparently this guy, 
worked for a company called G4S. Yes. And big, big shout out to JC Justice. He worked for a company called G4S. Mm-hmm. G4S is one of the largest employers in the entire world. Right. In fact, they own Wackenhut. Ooh, spooky. Right. Yeah. And they, they've been they've been accused of all kinds of crazy stuff. Right. You know, in one case, they were accused of using um, labor from it, from people that they had caught coming across the border. Uh huh. I mean, they run prisons. They they run. They do security. In fact, they were written up uh, for security lapses for the American embassy in Afghanistan. Uh huh. I mean, the, these guys are you know these guys are everywhere. Yeah. And they're security subcontractors, and they they do stuff for the U.S. government. They do stuff for most of the NATO governments. They do stuff in Africa. They do stuff in Asia. They do in stuff Middle East too. Middle East too. Now he was a security guard, and what's interesting is that the 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 headquarters for G4S is in Jupiter, Florida, which is a ways away, but it's in Florida. Mm-hmm. Now when he went in to work for G4S, right, he passed more security checks. In fact, the uh, the original CEO of G4S North America released a statement. He said, we are deeply shocked by this tra- tragic event. We can confirm that Omar Mateen had been employed by G4S since September 10th, 2007. Mateen was off duty at the time of the incident. He was employed as a gated retirement community in Southern Florida, right? Mateen underwent company screening and background checks when he was recruited in 2007, and the check revealed nothing of concern. His screening was repeated in 2013 with no findings. We are cooperating fully with all law enforcement authorities, including the FBI, as they conduct their investigations. In 2013, we learned that Mateen had been questioned by the FBI, but that that the inquiries were subsequently closed. We were not made aware of any alleged connections between Mateen and terrorist activities and are unaware of any further FBI investigations. Our thoughts and prayers remain with the victims of this unspeakable tragedy and their friends and family. John Kenning, regional CEO, G4S, North America and Technology. Hmm. So he passed all their background checks. Right. And when they were told that the FBI was investigating him, they said, well, nothing came out of it, so we're not worried. Right. But then it gets weirder. Get out of here. How so? So on Friday, <clears throat> there was a singer who had been on The Voice, and I guess she was a, she was a YouTube uh, celebrity. Yeah, YouTube sensation. YouTube sensation. Right. Uh, Christina Grimmie. Mm-hmm. She was murdered in Orlando, Florida on Friday. Right. Mm. And then the next day, this guy walks into a, into a dance club and opens fire. Right. Kills 50 people, wounds 53. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> one of the things that I noticed... That's inter- well, there are a few things I noticed. Well, there's a lot of things I noticed. But one of the interesting things that I noticed is that there started to be this emergence in various places, uh, including regional newspapers like 
the Palm Beach Post that that talk about where the the people that survived it talk about that there were multiple gunmen. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's been played down in the national media. But now we have multiple gunmen. I mean, this thing is just spiraling. Right. Well, you have at least one more shooter, according to a lot of eyewitnesses. And then you also have somebody holding the door shut or one of the doors shut. There were a few people saying that as well. So quite possibly you could have two more accomplices in this tragedy. And, you know, the one the one other thing I want to mention about G4S that I forgot is that there was an article called The Chaos Company written by uh, William Langwish, Lang- I think, anyway, in Vanity Fair. And, it, and I quote, G4S stands out primarily for its size. To place it in perspective, the company fields a force three times larger than the British military, albeit mostly unarmed, and it generates revenues of $12 billion annually. This is who he worked for. He passed their background checks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I did see some, some words like false flag floating around. Uh-huh. I don't think this is a false flag. Right. You know, a false flag would indicate that what a false flag is is when it's it's one group that carries out some sort of an atrocity mm-hmm. and blames another group. Right. Diverts uh, the attention of really what occurred. Right. And so where this became uh, kind of known was Gladio, that you had these, these Gladio cells they would carry out like a bombing in Bologna, Italy, and then they would blame Red Brigade. Mm-hmm. So the Gladio cell is, is kind of a fascist operation, and they hate communists, so they're blaming communists for the bombing. Sure. That, that's a false flag. Right. This guy, apparently mentally unstable, walked mm-hmm. into a nightclub, maybe with help, and shot 50, you know, killed 50 people and wounded 53. This was not necessarily carried out by some, you know, some shadowy operation. I mean, he probably did it. I mean, they killed him in a firefight. Mm -hmm. He's the one who did it. Right. But there's some other weirdness about this, and and that's why I think it's important to talk to you, Ron. Mm Mm-hmm. Apparently, he started shooting. I forget the exact time, but it was like 20 minutes after the hour. Okay. So was this like 1220 or yeah, something? Yeah, it was like 1220 he opens fire. Okay. In the middle of shooting people, at 1222, after he started shooting people, he calls 911. And he called them like three times. Mm-hmm. Three. The number three. Right. He called them three times, and he, he, he said a variety of things about who he disliked, and, and eventually he claimed that he was doing it, that he, he was doing it on behalf of ISIS or ISIL or whatever you want to call right. them. Which has, it's unsubstantiated. Correct. But, you know, it's, I find it very odd that he starts shooting people and he goes, oh, hold on a minute, let me stop so that I can call 911. And he calls 911 and tells tells the people in 911, "Hey, I'm over here shooting people. And and I dislike these people because because of their sexual preference. Mm-hmm. I I dislike these people so I'm shooting them all, but I pause to call 911 to make a statement." Right. 
I mean, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. No, but I mean, let, let's kind of put it in perspective. If he's truly mentally ill, you know, to me, he could do something like that. Uh, you know, they, they're not always necessarily rational. So that's a possibility. That that is a possibility, but I think I think if you look at all the pieces that we understand today, right, and we look at this this thing that happened, I just find it really odd that it happens in Florida after another shooting, like the day before. Mm-hmm. This happens. The guy who does it is is apparently crazy. But he's passed all kinds of background checks. Right. That the FBI investigate him, can't find anything, can't make anything stick to him. He's like the Teflon man, unstickable. Right? Nobody nobody catches this guy. And it happens in Marco Rubio's home state. And what's the first thing Marco Rubio does? He says he's, he's sad, which is the right thing to do. I'm going to give him credit for that. And I think he really does have a genuine concern for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it seems very synchronistic that it happens in his backyard. And then and then he's on the Situation Room with Wolf Blitzer railing off about, I've been warning people, I told people it was coming, and look, now it's happened, and it happened in his state. Right. And of course, what's he pushing for? He's pushing for more surveillance. He's pushing for more interconnectedness of these agencies, passing more information. The same agencies that were unable to catch the guy in the first place. Right. Now, from my understanding, uh, Omar Mateen's father had some connections with both Intel, American Intel, and security. Uh, Supposedly, he was running for president of Afghanistan. He had... Uh, connections with the Taliban and uh, I don't know it just seems like possibly his family connections were such that he was able to sort of you know just slip and slide right through and uh, go seemingly undetected possibly but you know you can't drive 20 feet with a broken taillight without getting pulled over right but you can let this guy go through and buy an assault rifle and a handgun, mm-hmm. buy a ton of ammunition, right? Mm-hmm. He can case the place, or maybe he was a, a patron of the place, I don't know. Right. But, you know, and nobody, nobody can seem to figure out that this guy is going to do this. And so with all the warrantless wiretapping, with all the surveillance and all the cameras and all the monitoring... I mean, they're listening to my conversation with you right now. With all Mm -hmm. of that, they couldn't catch him. And so what's the response? The response is two things. One, we need more gun control. Okay, well, gun control completely failed because he had to register it. He had a background check. He passed all that. Right. Right? Exactly. So we need more gun control. And, And by the way, you know, good or bad, right or wrong, I mean... I, I appreciate the fact that we have the right to bear arms. I think that that is a, that is a right of all Americans. I don't think that that can be taken away. I do right. think that people should be trained. I think you should know how to clean your own firearm. 
Exactly. Yeah, there and needs operated safely. Yeah, there needs to be a balance, and unfortunately, in the United States, we're so imbalanced now. Yeah. When yeah. it comes to issues like uh, gun rights and uh, you know other things along those lines. So I think this is another one of those, uh, I guess you could call it almost excuses to create more legislation. Um, but like what Clyde Lewis and I were saying earlier today, how, how layered this is. I mean, it's just like a, a political hot potato because you can sort of work around it in so many different ways, whether it's the gun legislation, surveillance, um, gay rights, human rights, immigration. <laughs> wow. I mean, you just go all over the place. And we're, I think we're going to start seeing this more and more politicized by the uh, two presidential candidates, Hillary Clinton and uh, Donald Trump. Well, right. And, and, and I think the timing is really strange that, that – you know, Trump has just succeeded in basically getting the nomination. Right. You know, Bernie Sanders has not succeeded, so Hillary Clinton is the heir apparent. Mm-hmm. And just as they're starting to really go after each other, you get a polarizing topic. You get a, a topic that polarizes, polarizes, as you said, on so many levels. Gun rights, you know rights of people, immigration, it's all there. Everything, every hot potato that they can tackle is right there in one entity. Right. I mean, already today, you know, I was listening to NPR and they they were uh, they were talking about the fact that when it happened, that a lot of the people from the LGBT community rushed out and they wanted to give blood because you know 53 people were wounded i mean sure this is a this is an assault rifle it's a military grade uh, weapon it does a lot of damage mm-hmm. so a lot of people from the lbt lgbt community went out and wanted to give blood i mean it's right a, the right thing to do right but we have these uh laws where you know if you have a relationship with a you know, with, if two men are in a relationship and, and they have an intimate relationship, apparently you're banned for giving blood for 12 months. I mm. mean, it, it's this stuff that goes back to the 80s and the AIDS scare and all this. <laughs> but now that is, a, that is a topic. So now not only do you have, you know, gun rights and, and you have uh, immigration and you have <clears throat> radical radicalization and all this other stuff... Now you also have a whole bunch of emerging LGBT issues that are getting, you know, which are very polarizing to some. But you get these, this topic is now part of the consciousness too. So it's like, it's like an event, a a, a political event made in heaven. You get to talk about everything. Mm -hmm. You know, the right can pander to the right and say, no, we have to defend, you should be able to get, you know, chain guns and, and bazookas and RPGs and, and you know, howitzers. And then you've got the, the opposite polarized group on the left saying, no, you shouldn't be able to get anything more than a BB gun. And, you know, pellet guns are dangerous and they'll put your eye out and you, you can't ever have a gun. And you should only be able to use guns if you go through training for 
for 10 years and we're in the military and mm-hmm. you know but it you know it it threw in all these polarizing topics into a polarized campaign season and it happened right as the two front runners became pretty much the the people who are going to fight this out right and they're both very polarized there's no moderate i mean you could argue that clinton is a moderate but she's really more of a panderer but you know you have these two fairly polarized people now talking about polarized events that came about because of a, a mass shooting and it happens just as they are solidifying their position as the two two candidates that are going to duke this thing out. Yeah, and then uh, you know the the other thing that um, I happened to see today in the uh, news feeds was how this guy was allegedly radicalized by uh, an Eman named. Uh, Marcus Robertson from the new, I guess he was with the new Black Panther Party. And, uh, but there's a lot of people who say that he really wasn't that religious. I mean, you know, he may have listened to him a few times, but uh, they sort of make it out to where he was radicalized by this guy, Marcus Robertson, you know, who's a former Marine turned Muslim. And uh, so how much of that is really true, you know? Well, I mean, his own father, you know, went on the record and said, you know what, this isn't about religion. This yeah. is about hate. Right. That he he didn't do this because of religion. He did this because of hate. I mean, that's the guy's own father. Right. But, of course, you know, we need a boogeyman. Sure. And And this allows us to have a boogeyman. And by having a boogeyman, they can scare us. Mm-hmm. So now, if you think about it for a minute, you step back and look at it objectively, <clears throat> where are we in the mass consciousness today? On one hand, we now have the worst shooting in the history of the United States, carried out, as mainstream media puts it, by a radicalized Muslim. Mm-hmm. Right. So we've got the boogeyman. On the other hand, the, the, the CDC and the health, the health department are now releasing maps of densities of Zika virus that is now infiltrating the United States. And it's basically like a heat map of if you're pregnant, don't go here. Mm -hmm. So in the public consciousness today, we have this polarized political debate. We have these polarized parties. We're seeing the, the dismantling of the Republican Party. You see massive discontent in the Democratic Party. I mean, 50, pretty much 50% of all Democrats you know, for 48% didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. Right. You know, 48% of voted for a different guy. Right. So it's, it's a very unstable political situation. Then you lump on top of that the Zika virus. So we've all got to be afraid of the Zika virus because, you know, anybody can be a carrier. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, you have all these issues that, that bubble to the surface because this guy went nuts and killed a bunch of people. That's odd. Yeah, well, I mean, in all of these sort of inject a certain amount of trauma amongst the uh, populace, too. So when you're sort of like mounting one trauma upon the other, what happens to the the American, America's uh, psyche, 
their their consciousness. What do you think? Well, I mean, in some ways, you know, it. I mean, it's it's a kind of mass trauma mind control. Yeah, exactly. Right. That that we're being put into a fear state, so that we will authorize more surveillance because losing our rights makes us safe. Mm-hmm. Of course, it didn't. We have the Patriot Act, and we have all these these secret things that they've passed, and that didn't seem to catch a guy. But I don't know. Maybe if we add more cameras, and if we add more surveillance, mm-hmm. next time we'll catch them. Right. You know, and that that's what Rubio was saying, and that that was what was so frightening as I'm sitting there on my couch, watching right. him talk, and it, it would cycle through. It's funny it, fear porn. Mm-hmm. He's talking to Wolf Blitzer, and the bottom third is cycling through all these really disastrous-sounding subcommittees he's a part of, intelligence and cybersecurity and mm-hmm. terrorism. And, you know, I mean, it's like hot button, hot button, hot button. And it was like, CNN is working hard to make me afraid. They've got in big letters, you know, worst mass shooting in history, you know, nut nut kills fifty people, and it, in these big letters, and then in little letters, Marco Rubio, Republican, Florida, Intelligence Committee, Marco Rubio, Republican, Florida, Terrorism Committee, Marco Rubio, Republican, Florida, Cybersecurity, Marco Rubio. You know, I mean, they're not saying Marco Rubio, Republican, Florida. You know, small business and entrepreneurship. Right. You know, it's all designed to make you afraid, mm-hmm. and by making you afraid. They want you to accept more surveillance because there's, you know, it's funny. When I was a kid, and I know, you know, I know you know this, but when I was a kid, when my dad went to a business trip, <clears throat> I used to just walk right up to the gate and he'd get on the plane, big hug. I miss you, dad. Come back soon. And I'd stand at the window and wave at the plane. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. I remember when I was a, when I was a little kid, uh, my dad uh, had to work um, remotely for a couple months. Right. And I would go visit him, and I would always fly on PSA. I love PSA. They have the big happy face on the front of the plane. Right. I remember that. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I would get on PSA, and I'd fly by myself. My mom would see me off, and then my dad would pick me up, and it was a big adventure for me, whatever. And you know I'm I'm the lone kid flying on the plane, and so the 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 flight attendants are are you okay? Can I get you a coke? Can you need a blanket? Are you scared? You want to talk? I mean, wonderful people, right? Mm-hmm. And and inevitably, at least every other trip, the the a like the co-pilot would come out and go, hey, do you want to see the cockpit? I'd be like, awesome! I like airplanes, awesome! And I'd go yeah. and check out the cockpit, and they'd be like. This is the autopilot, and this is how we set our navigation, and these are all the instruments. Don't touch anything. Ha, ha, ha. Right. Right? The last time I went on a trip, I waited in line. I went to Portland. I was on ground zero. I waited in line for an hour. Uh-huh. For an hour. I took off my shoes. I took off my belt. I emptied my pockets. I took my laptop out. I put my bag through. I do all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I forget something I had set it off. I think it was my toothpaste. My toothpaste container was too big. Mm-hmm. So they had to search my stuff. And they're taking the, they're wiping it down with the, the uh, explosives, um, 
wipes to see if there's like explosive or something yeah residue and all this and i have to stand there on the two little feet and don't make any sudden movements and all this kind of crap right Mm -hmm. okay we signed up for that after 9-11 because we thought it would make us safer Right. right but these same guys that are going through my stuff can't find 95% of the weaponry that's smuggled through there. They, they've carried out, the Department of Justice has done their own tests where they've smuggled through like assault rifles in bags that have gone through the screening process and these guys can't find it. But for some reason, I'm being told that I'm being safer. I'm safer because of this. And right. now, now with this, it's going to be like, oh, nobody should ever have an AR-15. Because, you know what? AR-15s are cheap. They're easy to use. They're easy to build. I mean, it's like Lego. Mm-hmm. And and because they're cheap and easy to use and do a lot of damage, most of the really bad mass shootings that we've had in this, this country have been done with AR-15s. Because right. <clears throat> for 500 bucks, I can drive... 20 minutes down the street from my house I'm sorry, the bunker right. I can drive 20 minutes down the street I can go buy an AR-15 I can sign the paper I take a test, which is easy mm-hmm. I sign the paperwork They make me wait a week While they do a background check mm-hmm. And then I come in and they hand me my AR-15 And then they say, would you like some bullets? Right Okay, none of this Stop this guy but they're telling me now, they're going to be telling me in the coming days, that if I'm surveilled more, if I let them listen to my phone calls more, if I let them film me more, if I let them use spy satellites to watch me more, right? If I wait longer at the airport, right, that I'm going to be safer. And the whole thing, just the timing and, and the, the issues involved, you know, it's, it's almost like nobody's paying attention to the people that died. That's true. You know, they had lives. I mean, one of the, I forget it, what, which one it was. Maybe it was the Palm Beach Post or one of them. They put a mm-hmm. list of the people with their photos, and they talked about what they did and what they aspired to be. And it's horribly tragic. Mm-hmm. But if I go watch CNN right now, I'm going to get a bunch of talking heads. And, and CNN is really clever. They put them on the right and the left mm-hmm. to reinforce that right-left thing. Well, yeah, to... to drive home the dialectic and, and you know people really don't have a, a basis of understanding because they really don't care they think they have a, a choice between A or B they don't realize that there's another choice well they don't realize the choice was made for them right that, that you know this has all been decided mm-hmm. it's all loaded and rigged you know and, and we saw that with the whole Gore thing. I mean, he, he got more votes. But it's like, he didn't win. Why? Because we have this rigged electoral college thing. But we can talk about that some other time. Sure. But what strikes me as odd is the timing and, and, the, and the issues involved. Like I said, if I go watch CNN right now, I mean, I can watch it on my computer as we are talking. There will be... Wolf Blitzer or Anderson Cooper or one of these guys standing in the middle at a podium. There are going to be two mm-hmm. desks, one on the left, one on the right. Democrats on the left, Republicans on the right, and there are no independents, right? Mm-hmm. 
they're going to be loaded with people from the Clinton campaign and from the Trump campaign, because we have to reinforce the dialectic. Right. And they're going to be debating about gun control, and they're going to be debating about surveillance, and they're going to be debating all these things. But they, you know, the people that actually died are, are lost in the mix. And they're lost in the mix because this, I'm convinced this is an engineered event. I think this guy did it, but I think somebody let him do it. Right. This is like, uh, I forget the name of the guy, but that, that, that one time when, um, many years ago, I think it was in the 80s, it was like Reagan, I think, when the, that guy got let out of prison. Mm-hmm. It's like that, although they didn't do it in October. So if this is what we get in, in June, God help us what we're going to get in October. What's going to be the October surprise this political season? Right. You know? But it well, just, I mean, a lot of this is, you know, done gradually and incrementally. Um, but it seems like it's, it's ramping up a lot more, you know? And I think the reason why is because People have become so desensitized and so used to it that they they can bring these events or let these events happen in a shorter amount of time, in a shorter duration of time. Well, I, I remember when Columbine happened. When Columbine happened, I was overseas. I actually was living in England. Mm-hmm. And, and the BBC was like nonstop Columbine. And it was interesting being over there. Because they have a kind of assumption that all all Americans carry guns. Right. You know? But it was like the entire world was like watching Columbine. The entire world was like feeling for those families. The entire world was like, how could this happen? But since then, I saw a map. I mean, it's insane. Since Columbine, how many mass shootings there have been. Right. You know, it seems like every year there's more and more and more, and they're escalating, 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 escalating. Oh, you're right. Right. Especially uh, during the Obama administration. I, again, I, I don't think it may would make any difference, but it's just very interesting. I think there's something like 28 or 29 major events that have occurred since 2008, since he's been president. Yeah, I mean, here here in, in California, many years ago, there was a guy... <clears throat> he he got into a spat with his ex-wife, and I think it was in, in the Transamerica Pyramid of all the the ritualistic places to do it. And he went up there and he used a mach- he used a machine pistol, mm-hmm. and he, he shot her. Right. And, when, and that was like, oh my God, how could that ever happen? And everybody, this was like in the eighties, I think the right. late eighties, and everybody was like, oh my God, this is oh my God, and they could not like communicate. Mm-hmm. But now, just just in the last eight years, what twenty nine of them? You said, yeah, something like that. Yeah, there there is something there. There is something engineered about it, and you know, there's a lot of discussion of crisis actors and all this kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, and and that may or may not be, but the truth is, is that this guy Omar Mateen, and possibly others, walked into that that nightclub shot a bunch of people and then died in a firefight right there's you know that's what happened mm-hmm. I don't think they're crisis actors I don't think that this is a false flag this guy was nuts true but the more concerning thing is that there are more and more people that are that that brand of nuts right 
And he passed everything. Right. So he is the poster child for the failure of the surveillance state and the failure of gun control. Right. Because he did everything that they asked. Exactly. So, you know, you've got this polarized debate. Well, he passed all the background checks. Mm -hmm. So what do you do now? You know, what do you do? Right. And I think a, a lot of people are asking the question, where is the hope? I mean, what what is the, the viable or tangible thing that we can do to defend ourselves from this type of terrorism? Right. And, and everybody's going back to homegrown terrorism. You know, the mm -hmm. last time I think that we were in this kind of a boat with homegrown terrorism, you mm -hmm. know, it was about the militias. Right. You know, everybody, oh, no, everybody's a member of the militia. The militia's going to take over the United States. Oh, no, oh, no. You know? Mm -hmm. But it's it's just another dialectic to try to enforce more totalitarian behavior. And it just seems so perfect, the timing and the stru and it's structurally, right. that it just seems so well thought out that it, it, it just has to be engineered. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy... Passed everything. And he he abused his wife. You know, she divorced him for it. I think she even got a restraining order for him. He's right. inter he's interviewed because he knew a suicide bomber in Syria. Mm-hmm. You know, he works for the, one of the largest defense contractors and security companies in the world. He buys an assault rifle legally, just like the guys in San Bernardino. You know, that was all quasi-legit. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's a failure of, of all these totalitarian practices that they enforce upon us. There's a moment like this, and it fails. It, it, it couldn't have possibly failed. It could have only failed if somebody turned a blind eye. True. And that's why I think it's engineered. Yeah. Somebody let this guy do this because right. they wanted to have that debate. They wanted to have that dialectic. Because whoever is going to get put into put into office will have the right answer. Right. No, and I, I do agree with you too. I believe that it was facilitated. Um, and you know, the other thing that I think is important too, and it might take a little time to do, but you know, as they say, follow the paper trail, or more appropriately, follow the money trail. So the bottom line is kind of like, who really profits from this? And I think that's gonna that information is gonna be quite telling in the next few days or next few weeks. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Because somebody had to have let this happen. It's too easy. It's too in your face. It's too precise mm -hmm. to have just happened. I mean I'm I'm a big believer in that, that bureaucracy makes people numb to stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is a systemic failure across the board. That's why it seems engineered. No part of this worked. And that's what's so bizarre to me, is that no part of this worked. It's not like they caught him trying to get the assault rifle, or it's not like the FBI had something on him. No, nobody had anything on this guy. He was completely squeaky clean until he gets up one morning, 
takes out his AR-15 that he bought it like a week ago, right? Loads it up, gets a bunch of magazines, puts them in his pocket, and goes out and, and shoots 103 people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a complete massive failure across the board. You know, no profiler caught this guy. His connections to radicalization, nobody caught that. Mm-hmm. Nobody caught anything. That right. just well, yep. seems engineered. Yeah, and all the supposed fail-safe measures uh, fell through. Right, and and I do think that it's a, that the conspiracy world does a disservice to itself when they start throwing around terms like false flag operations and you know this isn't a false flag this is a disturbed individual who somebody let do this it's Occam's razor man Mm -hmm. you know Occam's razor says that the simplest answer is probably the right one the simplest answer is this guy was crazy and somebody let him do this right there is no other alternative it's not I don't think you had covert operations guys in there you know, from the CIA paramilitary units in there bumping people off or... No. No. It's just one, possibly two or three people mm-hmm. who had an agenda and carried it out. And and his his linkage to ISIS wasn't even in the first phone call. It was in the, mm-hmm. thir- the third time that he called 9-11, Right. You know, and, and it's like... You're calling 911 saying, I'm shooting people. Where's the response? Mm-hmm. You know, where's the response? Where it's kind of like with Brevik when, you know, they waited, they got caught in traffic and it took them like three hours to get there. Right. Where's the helicopter? Well, the helicopter was in use. Well, you couldn't say, guys, we kind of need it now. Mm. Right. You know, the timing is quite suspicious for the, I mean, the lack of. Yeah, I mean he was Spons, in there. For, right. He, he was in there for two hours doing this. I mean, at one point he went into a bathroom and was holding people hostage. At the end. Right. You know, where's the response? And and you notice they're not talking about that. Right. Nobody's talking about the response. They're my. They are myopically focused on the event because the event itself was the purpose the event itself was engineered and it was engineered by by virtue of the fact that somebody allowed this to happen right okay that's my rant oh right well i think actually we covered quite a bit of stuff especially you did uh olaf and uh Again, it's something we're going to, I believe we're going to get more information as things start filtering through. It's, things are still obviously a little sketchy right now, but I think uh, um, I would have to agree with, uh, with what most you had to uh, impart this evening, that it was something that was engineered, and uh, basically the guy was uh, a nutcase, um, and he was facilitated in some ways to be able to carry out this very heinous and tragic act. I think that's absolutely right. Yep. All right. Well, that was another thrilling episode of the Paranoia Podcast. I hope that you found it interesting and 
found some interesting stuff in there that, that you can go out and search and find more information on. Ron, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me on, Olaf. Let's do it again next week. Yes, we will try to do it next week. Uh, sometimes we miss weeks, but we have a lot of stuff going on. I'm sorry about that. As always, uh, you can reach us on Facebook.com slash Paranoia Magazine. Uh, we're on Twitter, uh, Paranoia Mag. You can find us there. Um, and you can visit ParanoiaMagazine.com, ParanoiaPublishing.com. We're everywhere. And, of course, you can watch Secret Sundays over on OSI74.com, which is sponsored by Paranoia. So, yeah. Yes. I love that show. I love those shows, Ron. Those, those shows. Those shows. Are they top secret? <laughs> yeah, they're really top secret. Anybody with a Roku can watch it, or anybody with an internet connection. By the way, uh, free plug for myself, watch Utopia Fantastica, and watch Pacific North Weird. All right. Okay, that's it. So uh, wherever you go, there you are. And take good care and keep the faith. All right, night, guys. Thank you for listening to Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Sponsored by Paranoia Magazine. Read it now. Paranoiamagazine.com Intro theme, The Guide, was composed by Scott Moon. ScottMoon.net Outro theme, Fighting Trousers is by Professor Elemental. ProfessorElemental.com Voiceover written and performed by Mr. Lobo, host of Cinema Insomnia. Watch new episodes on OSI 74. Visit us at OSI74.com We are resuming control. For now. <laughs>